Hey, this is the Craft Room Podcast. Today, let's discuss some potentially frustrating and alarming characteristics of two popular paper crafting tools. This is episode four. Welcome to the Craft Room Podcast. I'm your host, Dawn Lewis, professional crafter, craft teacher, and all-round craft enthusiast. This podcast will help you get great value from your craft supplies and perhaps help you discover new techniques, ideas, and products to take your crafting to the next level. There is so much craft to talk about, so let's dive right in. So glad to have you in the craft room with me today. All through February, we're talking about getting started, the things that you need. And since we're on a roll with paper crafting, there are two tools that I really think we need to talk about. They often frustrate and freak out their new owners. I see it on Facebook craft groups all the time. So I thought maybe we could chat about those today so that you are aware and prepared. Both tools are popular and they can be expensive. And like most people, I learned about these quirks and little oddities and issues the hard way. We are talking about trimmers and die cutting machines. Let's start with trimmers because they're a real staple and something that make our lives so much easier. Whereas a lot of people do move on to die cutting machines later down the line. So trimmers first, it's a staple in the paper crafters toolbox and you find mostly they come in three different types. You'll get guillotine, rotary blade and a sliding blade. It could either be sliding in a track or on a wire. Let's start with the guillotine. All three styles of trimmers have pros and cons. I actually own all three styles of trimmers and I use them all, but I use them for different purposes. So I thought I'd go through the pros and cons and weird little quirks and characteristics that each of them have. And maybe this will help you if you are looking at upgrading your trimmer or wondering if there's something wrong with your trimmer or buying one for the first time. Let's start with the guillotine. These have been around forever and I love guillotine trimmers. I own a Tim Holtz eight and a half inch one. So it's small. It's very lightweight. It's great on my desk. I can easily lift it out of the way. It's no good for 12 by 12. But nowadays I mostly craft cards. So I use a lot of six by six papers and A4 and I can slide a piece of A4 in to cut it in half to make card bases. There's one thing that you really do need to know about the guillotine trimmer. So it doesn't matter what brand it is. Each guillotine trimmer will have a finger guard. It's a piece of plastic um, that will sit along where the blade is and your cardstock or your paper slides underneath it. And it's kind of there for two reasons. One, to protect your fingers, but two, it's there to help keep your cardstock in place. This is what you need to do on that finger guard. When you've got cardstock in there, you need to actually hold it down, place pressure on the top of the finger guard, which places pressure on your cardstock, which keeps it in place as the blade moves. So as you pull the blade down, if you're not actually holding your cardstock, and I've noticed this, I actually tried it out and it, it, it did it. And it's something that people complain about. I get crooked lines with my guillotine. And here's why you really need to hold the cardstock down. If you don't, as you slide that blade down, the very top of your cardstock that you've already cut through, it's going to start to move and it can't really move very far because of the blade. And so the bottom section is going to swing outwards a little bit. That way you, your line starts nice and straight at the top, but then it's kind of got this tick mark at the bottom. It sort of swerves out to the right instead of being very straight. So the way to avoid that is hold your cardstock down, put your thumb down closest to you, put other fingers, two fingers down up higher 
of course, keeping them well away from the blade. And if you have a decent amount of pressure, you don't have to lean on it. Just, you know, hold it there and slide it down and bam, you get a really, really straight line. And straight lines are very important. So there are some other pros to this. I love my guillotine because the blade is practically self-sharpening. I don't think I'm ever going to need to replace the blade. In fact, I have a very small creative memories guillotine trimmer. Does anyone remember those? It's a cute little blue trimmer and it's a sentimental piece to me. It belonged to a friend of mine who actually got me into scrapbooking and sadly she passed away and her husband gave me a few of her crafting things and I have her little blue creative memories trimmer. That thing is still sharp. It is probably 20 years old and it is still sharp. So guillotines have fantastic blades. They just last and last and last. Now, one of the downsides to guillotines is they are designed for trimming strips. So sometimes you might want to trim a middle section out of something. Like if you just want to have a line that starts, say, an inch in from the edge and ends an inch in from the edge. Maybe you're cutting the center out of something to create a frame. A guillotine trimmer just can't do that for you. It's designed to trim off strips. So that's one of the downsides to a guillotine. The other thing I'll say is guillotine trimmers are super sharp. This is something that if you have very little kids about, you might want to second think a guillotine trimmer. You either need to keep it locked away or really, really out of sight, out of reach because, you know, some little kid looks at the little guillotine trimmer is like, oh, I wonder if I could cut my finger off with that. You know, kids don't think these things through. They don't think, what if I actually could cut my finger off with that? So you do want to be very, very safety conscious with a guillotine trimmer. Other than that, it's a magnificent tool. I really like it. Highly recommend. Now let's talk about the rotary trimmer. I have a large Fiskars Precision rotary trimmer. There are a few downsides to it, but there are some amazing upsides to it. And I use it fairly regularly. Uh, I like this particular one because the blade just never gets dull. It gives me very clean cuts every single time. Again, it, it's like it's a self-sharpening blade. You can replace rotary blades on rotary blade trimmers. But so far, I mean, I've been using this one for probably about four years and I haven't needed to replace it yet. One of my other favorite things is I can cut more than one piece of paper or cardstock at a time, which is really good. So when I'm trimming up a lot of pieces of, of paper or even photographs, I print a lot of things as photograph to use for promotional materials or, you know, for decorating in my office and things like that. You can actually cut more than one layer in a rotary trimmer. That blade is super duper heavy duty and it's a magnificent thing. One of the downsides though, just like the guillotine, it's designed for cutting strips. Again, it's not going to cut a middle section out of something. You can't lift it up and then put it down in the middle of something. It has to start cutting from the edge. So you could cut strips like fringing but you can't cut a middle piece out and the other thing is my particular one is quite big it's heavy it's bulky if you're working on a small desk it's not something that you can really keep on your desk I'm sure that there are rotary trimmers that aren't quite as bulky but the one that I have it's it's a big heavy bulky tool it has a section that folds underneath and you can fold it out to um, cut longer lengths which is great because it's not this great big 12 inch wide thing on your desk it does fold down to be a little more compact but it's it's a it's a big unit and it takes up a lot of space 
Thirdly, let's talk about the blade in the track. So the most common one, and these have been around a really long time as well, is a blade that slides down a little track. So the blade sits in a track and slides along and trims. One of the best pros about these is they are usually quite lightweight and they'll often have extenders that you can pull out at the side so you can you don't have to have a great big 12 inch square thing on your desk it can compact down and it's sometimes a piece that flips out but it's often just a piece that slides out from inside the unit like on a track to give you more measurements so you can cut something that is wider than say five and a half inches it will cut the middle out of things. You can put that blade down anywhere. So the blade travels in a little slider that lifts up and down. And so you can lift that up, place your cardstock. Let's say you've got a 12 by 12 piece of cardstock and you're using it as a backing, but you don't want to put the whole thing down. You're going to put a big piece of pattern paper over it. And it feels wasteful to have that whole piece of cardstock when only an you know, half an inch is going to be showing around the outside as a frame for your layout. So what you can do is place the 12 by 12 cardstock into your trimmer. You can pull the blade down, then you can swing it down flat, push the blade into the cardstock and trim down to where it's an inch away from the other edge. So you can actually cut a piece out of the middle. You could cut your own slider tracks uh, and that kind of thing. So it's a fantastic tool for that reason. Probably one of the downsides is the blades get dull really, really quickly. So if you've been using your trimmer and you've got fuzzy edges on your blade, well, that's probably because your blade needs replacing. I've been through a lot of trimmers in my life. I've been through a lot of this style of trimmer in my life. I don't even know how many. I'm going to say probably at least five before I found the one that I have now. The first one I got was cheap and nasty. It wasn't cheap and cheerful. It was cheap and nasty. The problem was I couldn't get replacement blades. So here I am with this trimmer, which I got this great price. I'm congratulating myself on a good buy. You know, this is fantastic. Why pay all that money? And then I realized after I'd used it, say about a dozen times, the edges started getting fuzzy and I couldn't get replacement blades, which was a bit of a problem. So you do want to check that you can get replacement blades when you're purchasing a sliding trimmer. The next problem that I had was that it wasn't cutting straight lines. I mean, the line itself was straight, but the angle, it wasn't a perfect right angle and it took me ages to figure it out. So when you use a trimmer, there's generally like a ledge or a bumper that you can kind of put your cardstock or your paper up against. And when it's straight up against the bumper, it's meant to cut a straight line, but those bumpers sometimes are a fraction misaligned. And so even when you've got it lined up, you think perfectly, you, it's not the same. You put it down on top of something and go, it's, this gap is wider at the top and it's narrower at the bottom. What's going on here? It may be that it's not perfectly lined up. A little test to see if yours is lined up properly is to put your put a, a proper purchase, not, not something that's already been cut, say a piece of 12 by 12 or even A4 onto the bumper and line it up because on the body of the trimmer, there are usually marked lines. It, it's really helpful. There's measurements all over the place. You don't have to measure something with a ruler and mark it and then cut it. The trimmers have measurements on there. So utilize those straight lines, put it onto the bumper, make sure it's really flat against the bumper and have a look. 
if it's lined up at the bottom and you're using let's say you're using the bottom bumper if you've got it lined up on the line does the edge go all the way up the line or does it veer away from the line if it does veer away from the line be it to the left or to the right that means your bumper is probably misaligned and that's where you have to decide am I just going to compensate for this or am I going to return it or contact the manufacturer and ask is this a problem now sometimes it's you know it's a tiny problem this is not what I call a deal breaker if I like a trimmer and there's a slight misalignment I just know to make adjustments for it and I can use the lines that are marked on the trimmer to do that so it's not a huge deal or a deal breaker for me it's one of those things that I think oh well when this one dies and wears out then I will go and upgrade to a new trimmer and I'll just watch for that next time so not a deal breaker but it is something to be aware of because getting those lines that aren't perfect right angles can drive you crazy because you don't know why okay now when we've got these trimmers with the blade that runs down a track there is a little wiggle room in that track that track is wider than the blade and if you cut hastily and you just run your blade up or down the track you may find that you're getting slight waves or wiggles in your cutting line that's because there is wiggle room in the track so be very deliberate and straight in the way you slide your blade I'm not saying you have to do it you know like with marching band precision but you know just be a little more conscious of the way you're sliding your blade rather than being all quick and all over the place just so that you know you're happy with your final cut well when I got my first Fiskars trimmer which was a blade that slid in a track I was getting this problem and then I thought I was so smart I figured it out I knew what I would do so what I did was I would place a little pressure on the blade I would push it to the left with my thumb as I slid it because my thought was well if it's up against the track it's going to give me a straight line and you know what it did for a while and then eventually and and I was paper crafting a lot back then um, eventually I started to look at my lines and go there's a curve in the middle of this line it was really subtle at first and then it got more and more extreme and I really looked at my trimmer one day and I'd been pushing it so hard up against the edge of the track the blade had little by little by little been wearing away the track edge and so instead of having a straight track I now had a curve in my track because I had been slicing it away these little tiny sections bit by bit so I'd have to say if if you're considering that pushing your blade to one side of the track is going to solve that wiggle room problem it, it will not it just creates a new problem and eventually I had to get a new trimmer but one of my favorite things about these particular trimmers is that track that runs down and if you've seen any of my YouTube videos you may have noticed me do this you can use this as a score tool so there is a tool called it can be a score buddy or a score pal there's lots of different names for them but essentially it's a big plastic platform and it has lots of grooves lots of tracks running down all various measurements and people use this for scoring so it's great and if a video gives you instructions to score at one three seven and eleven inches we well, just line it up and you find the three inch line and you score there and the one inch line you score there and you follow all of that but you can do this in a trimmer so you don't need to have this whole second extra tool you can do it in a track trimmer which is fantastic because the track trimmer has the measurements 
all marked along the top and the bottom, which is magnificent, as well as those lines that go all the way down the body of your trimmer. So you can double up and use your track trimmer as a scorer. I know that the Fiskars track trimmer actually has a scoring blade. You have one blade that is your trimmer blade with a blade in it, but the other is a scoring blade. And it's fantastic. You can actually keep both on the track at the same time and just move it around and use the one that you need. So kudos to Fiskars for figuring this out. I just use a bone folder. Um, my blade like blade in a track trimmer is the Martha Stewart brand. I've had it, oh, I've had it a really long time. I think I've had that about nine years now and I love it. The blades last a really long time. I don't think you can buy them in Australia anymore, but if you ever have the opportunity to pick yourself up a Martha Stewart trimmer, I highly recommend. It's a great machine and it's even got a little storage caddy underneath it for spare blades, which I like. And I don't have to replace the blades very often. They really do last a long time. So it's worth asking around. Ask on Facebook groups, ask your crafting friends, go online, look for reviews and have a look. What is a really good trimmer? What trimmer are people not complaining about? When people say, oh, what's a good trimmer to get? Have a look. What are people recommending? And that's where you should start when you're shopping for your own trimmer. So summarizing trimmers, be safe. Keep them away from little kids. Check the bumper. Is everything lined up straight? Do have a look and make sure they have centimeters and inches. That's definitely a plus because so many of the tutorials that you might be following, will they'll have one or the other. And here in Australia, we mostly work in centimeters, but paper crafting is definitely done in inches. And so, you know, it's interchangeable. We're used to hearing inches, but we also want to measure in centimeters. So look for a trimmer that has both. Remember, the blades might dull quickly when you're getting fuzzy edges. It means you need to sharpen or get a new blade and check out the reviews if all else fails and if you have a real problem get in touch with the manufacturer often they have chat boxes on their website or you could email them or even give them a call if you've got something and you sort of can't be bothered to take it back it's okay you know just make do and compensate and when it's time to upgrade look for something that doesn't have that annoying little quirk and now it's time to move on to die cutting machines. I put this one second because not everyone starts with a die cutting machine. It's certainly not a must have for card making or scrapbooking, paper crafting in general. But, you know, it's a great thing to have. I went a lot of years before buying my first die cutting machine. I wasn't sure if I would use it, but I went to some retreats and I was using my friend's die cut machine a lot. And eventually I realized this was going to be a good investment for me. I hated buying packets of alphabet stickers and being left with letters I couldn't use. I figured it would be more economical to buy an alphabet die set and then use it to cut out from scraps of cardstock because I used to keep all my scraps of cardstock. Okay, I still keep all my scraps of cardstock. I have scrap folders and I dig into them first before I cut into something new. So the die cutting machines I'm talking about today, and they could be manual or they could be electronic. So it doesn't matter if it's operated by you turning a handle or pushing a button. We're talking about the kind that have cutting plates because over and over and over again in card making groups on Facebook, I see this same concern come up. This completely freaks people out. And I think if you knew ahead of time, there'd be less adrenaline involved in your card making and your die cutting. So first things first, let's talk about the noise. When you roll or run your, your cutting plates through your die cutting machine, 
sometimes it will make a noise and sometimes that noise is really loud and it can be startling and if you've never used it before you're going to think you've broken your machine I know I did uh, so you put down your sandwich your base plate then you put down your bottom cutting plate a piece of cardstock put down your die you put on your top cardstock you've got your little sandwich that you're going to run through it goes through and all of a sudden you hear this almighty crack you think you've broken the machine you think the rollers are busted you think you've snapped a cutting plate in half it sounds like you've cut, snapped both cutting plates in half your heart goes racing it's just it's 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 a big noise and then you keep rolling it comes out the other side and there's nothing wrong with it it's rolling fine nothing's cracked you're thinking what is going on here I've had my Sizzix Big Shot for at least five or six years and it still makes this noise. Last week I was cutting out a whole bunch of bookmarks, uh, bookmark dies for a kit that I was doing and oh my goodness, the cracking noise. It was so loud and it, even I knew about this and I still was worried I'd, I'd broken it. But it is what the machine does. Now I asked in a card making group I belong to on Facebook, do other machines make this noise? And overwhelmingly the answer was yes, you could have a cuddle bug, a big shot, a spellbinders machine, a Gemini, a vagabond, doesn't matter what kind of machine, what brand you've got, a cutting plate machine is prone to making this cracking noise it's the die going through the rollers and the cutting plates moving and kind of snapping together now on occasion people do crack their cutting plates and it does happen and it sometimes happens because people will force it through if you have to force your die sandwich through your machine then there's something wrong you should never have to force it through you should just be able to turn the crank or press the button it should just flow through if you have to force it there's a problem Revi revisit your sandwich there but that cracking noise can be really startling so there's a few things that you can do to avoid it when I was running this bookmark die through I had it turned sideways so that the longest part of the die was going straight through and that was making a really big noise and so what I did was I turned it around so that the narrowest part was going through it still made a noise but it wasn't quite as dramatic shall we say the way that you can alleviate this and make it even less of a noise is to turn it on a little bit of an angle so that there's not a whole great big section of die going through at once it's sort of just feeding gradually through starting from a point and then going there so I find circles don't give as much of a, a crack and, and sort of diamond shaped things don't give as much of a crack but the bigger the die the chances are it's going to make a noise so there you go don't panic if you hear that big cracking noise it is part of the machine so let's move on to the second thing that absolutely freaks people out and that is you run your very first die through the machine it's gone through you pick it up oh it cut it out beautifully and then people go oh my goodness it's left a mark in my cutting plate my cutting plate is broken I've ruined it nope that's how it works every time you run your die through it will bite into your cutting plate and it will leave a mark that is how it works and sometimes we don't even think about how these machines work so I thought I'd let you know how it works so there are rollers inside your machine and those rollers are underneath and above and they are working together to compress those cutting plates and when they compress the cutting plates they force that sharper metal edge down through the cardstock 
and that's what does the cutting. But of course, when they really compress together quite you know, efficiently and effectively, they are also going to bite into that bottom cutting plate and it is going to leave a mark. So if uh, you are the kind of person who really does like to keep your things in pristine condition, I'm afraid that you're going to spend a fortune if you throw out your cutting plate every time it gets a mark on it. You just have to come to grips with the fact that the cutting plate you put your die cutting side down onto will get marks. However, however, you don't have to do that for both plates. So I thought I would give you my pro tip on getting more life out of your cutting plates, saving money and keeping one at least in pretty good condition while it works. So what I do when I make my cutting plate sandwich to put through my Big Shot, my marked up plate that goes on the bottom. Then I put down my cardstock. Then I put down my die cut side down. So the bit that's got all the fancy patterns and so on and so forth, I put that face down so that the flat back of the die is face up. Then I'll put my clean cutting plate on top and then I feed it through. So I'm only ever cutting into one of my cutting plates. The one on the top, it's nice and clean. It doesn't have any cut lines in it. And I kind of like that because that's the one that's on the top. That's the one that I see and that kind of helps me reconcile it. But it does a couple of other things as well. And there's another tip that I have for you. That bottom cutting plate, if you only ever cut on one side of it, it is going to start to bend and warp a little bit. You're going to get a bit of curve in there. So what I like to do every time I sit down to use it, I'll flip the bottom cutting plate over. So I will be cutting into both sides of that cutting plate. It gives it even wear and tear and if I'm doing a long cutting session where I'm cutting a lot of stuff so I sat and actually cut out a hundred bookmarks last week which was mildly insane but I did it and everything was fine uh, about every 25 cuts I'd flip the bottom one over and then I'd cut another 25 and I'd flip it again so it was getting really even wear and tear but if you sit down and do lots of die cutting at once just every time you sit down for a session flip it over or if you prefer, do it at the end. But I prefer to do it at the beginning of a cutting session because it's fresh in my mind and I remember. And it becomes habit for you to just do that. So you're going to get extra life out of that bottom plate because you're cutting into both sides, not just one making it warp and bend and put a curve in it. Because once it's curved, there's not much you can do about it. So that's one way that you can get more life out of your cutting plates and keep one clean and clear. But here's the thing, when you buy a replacement pack of cutting plates, they come in a pair, one for the bottom, one for the top. These are consumables. They are meant to be used until they cark it and then you chuck it in the bin and you put in a new pair. However, if you only ever cut into one of the cutting plates and one day it will die, it might crack, it might just stop cutting altogether, it might be leaving horrible marks through all of your cardstock and you have to look at it and go, you know what? I think I've used you all the way up. So here's what I do. I will throw away the bottom cutting plate or I'll use it for something else. I don't know. I, I've not had to do that yet. See, I've been using my Big Shot five or six years and I haven't had to get rid of a bottom cutting plate. It's getting time though. I transfer the top cutting plate. It gets demoted. It's now the bottom cutting plate. I will take one brand new cutting plate out of my pack of two. It is now my new top cutting plate. And I've still got one in the packet. You don't have to replace both at one time. So this is going to save you 
money, it's better for the environment, and you're getting more life out of your supplies. And I'm all about getting better value from your supplies. So that's what you can do. You can also add a shim uh, when the bottom cutting plate is starting to thin out. You think about it, it's getting a lot of cuts through it. Um, it is going to thin out and you might need to use a shim. You can buy shims or you can just use a piece of cardstock or a folded piece of paper underneath the cutting plate between that and the, the platform and it'll do a fantastic job. So there you go. That is my take on the die cutting machines. So if this has got you all excited about paper crafting, you're thinking, yes, I'm going to go out and get a trimmer. I'm going to go get a die cut machine. Look, if you have any questions, please hit me up. If you have other tools that drive you crazy, they're doing something weird and you're not quite sure why, head over to the blog. I'll link to it in the show notes and leave your questions and leave your comments and let me know what tool freaked you out when you first got it. What tool do you use in your craft that has some weird quirks you wish you'd known when you first bought it? If you're all excited about die cutting and you're looking for dies here in Australia, you can find a fairly good selection at dawnlewis.com.au, especially the interactive dies. They are so fun. They make great fun cards, but I digress. I do hope this was helpful for you choosing tools, using your tools. Don't let them freak you out. Get in there and have some fun. Thanks so much for joining me in the craft room today. You can find links and other information about today's episode in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or leaving a review on iTunes or Stitcher. I'd really appreciate that. I do hope you have a very crafty day and I will see you next time. Bye for now.